Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. One of our worship team members asked me before worship today, are you sure you don't drink coffee? And I said, no, I never drink this stuff except when I'm in Cuba. They sort of make you, and it's pretty strong stuff. I'm probably still awake from that, actually, and that was in February. But anyway, um, we're starting a new series this morning here at New Life, and as you can tell, it's called Work It. And uh, the series came about as a result of a, a lesson for men's fraternity I was preparing last January. It's called A Man and His Work. And as I was watching the video by Dr. Robert Lewis, he said something that sort of piqued my interest. He said that in 30 years of being a preacher at the time of the video being recorded, that he could only remember uh, two or three times when he had preached a message that was specifically targeted or focused on work. So I went back to my computer and I looked at my, you know, preaching message planning for the last 10 years. How many times have I preached a message that was focused specifically on work? And the answer was zero. So then I did a little more research and I realized, as far as I can tell, in 30 years plus of preaching, I have never preached a message that was solely devoted to the topic of work. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to have a three-week series on work. And today it's called, we're going to ask the most basic question you can ask about work. Why? Why, why work? Why should we even work? Is it in the Bible? Then next week we're going to look at remarkable work because God intends for us, if we're going to work, to work remarkably, but some of us don't. So how do we do that? And then the third week, we're going to talk about something that's actually seemingly the opposite of work, which is rest. Because if we never rest, our work will be diminished. In fact, God had a sort of a formula. Well, it wasn't sort of a formula. It was one. Six days of work, one day of rest. That was the pattern that he established in the order of creation. So we're going to talk about those things over the next three weeks. And uh, a lot of what I'm going to say today is going to come from Dr. Lewis's message titled A Man and His Work, although I'm going to have it for men and women, boys and girls actually, uh, everybody in the room. And the reason I wanted to use a lot of his material is because he got it from the Bible, so you can't really go wrong whenever the material is coming from the Bible. He did a lot of sociological research that I didn't have to do. And here at New Life, what we believe is our messages don't have to be unique. In fact, you know what it's called when a pastor comes up with unique material? heresy. Heresy. It means that we're going outside of the faith because there's a certain body of truth and it's found in the Word of God and and anything outside of that isn't acceptable. And so here at New Life, what we want to do is make sure that everybody who comes to worship here understands what it means to live as a follower of Jesus and to do that whether we're at play, at work, or worship. Right? Say right. Okay. All right. There you go. All right. Now, You may be surprised to learn that the Bible addresses work more than it does family. I mean, if I said to you, do you think there are more verses in the Bible about work or about family, you would probably say family. But in fact, if you open the Bible to Genesis chapter 1, and and, and the very first chapter, which is Genesis is the first book of the Bible, actually Genesis actually means beginnings, and it tells us about the beginnings, God was working. In the beginning, God created. That's what, that was God's first and most important work because if he didn't create everything, then we wouldn't be here. But he created the entire universe. And after he cre- created the entire universe and all it contains, he, he made planet Earth and he, and he put uh, creatures on it and then he created human beings. And according to Genesis 2, he created the man and he put the man to work. 
before he created the woman. Interesting that the man was working in the garden before there was a woman. So work comes before family. That doesn't mean work's more important than family. It just means that work is central in the order of creation. In fact, what we could say is this. A lot of people think work that, that work's a curse. You know that it came because Adam and Eve sinned and we call it the fall and they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden and God's perfect plan for, the, for all of us was destroyed and so God made us work. Not true. God had the man working before there was uh, even a woman and before there was sin. And so work is a good thing. It's a blessing of God and it's in the fabric of creation. Just as marriage is a good thing created by God between a man and a woman to uh, offer the opportunity for families to arise and for uh, the earth to be populated, all those kind of things. But work and family are together. Work came first. They're both important. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the how do we take God to work? And, and what are the purposes of work? I mean, what I learned a long time ago is that most Christian uh, men and women don't know how to take Jesus to work. And, and what you're saying is, Pastor Chris, you never worked in your life. You're a pastor for 30 years, you know? You, know, you don't know what it's like to have a real job. Well, before I became a pastor, believe it or not, for seven years I, I actually worked. And I, I was a school teacher. I was a gas station attendant, I was a swimming pool cleaner, I was a limousine driver, and I taught New Testament Greek while I was assistant teacher of New Testament Greek. And you go, in seven years you had all those jobs, couldn't hold a job, huh? Well, actually, actually, in those jobs, what I realized is most people didn't know how to take Jesus with them to work. And of course, Jesus was with them because as we talked about in our five-week series, Living in the Spirit, every believer has Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit in us. He goes wherever we go, and yet somehow we have this secularization. When we go out there in the world, we say, well, we can't, we can't talk about God in school. Well, yes, you can. You can't talk about God at work. Yes, you can. But sometimes we don't know how to do it, so we're going to talk about that as well. So anyway, let's get right to today's take-home point. For those of you who are first-time guests, we make one point here every week. We don't try to make 10 or 20, just one, and here's the point this week. God's Word offers us at least four purposes for our work. And how we understand those purposes will determine how we live from day to day as we go about our lives. Now, before we look at the first purpose for work, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you did create everything, that you created us as the pinnacle of your creation, and that you gave us meaningful work to do. And God, that's as true today as it was when Adam and Eve were walking on the planet as the only two people. Today we pray that by your Spirit you will show us how the purposes you have given for work make it meaningful to us and give us opportunities, whatever we are doing, um, to give glory to you and bring you honor. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I hardly ever use alliteration. You know what alliteration is, right? The first letter of each thing starts with the same letter. I hardly ever do that in my messages, but this isn't really my message. It's Dr. Lewis's message. So today we're going to learn about the four P's, which are the four purposes, but they all start with P. And the first one is paycheck. Say paycheck. Okay, everybody wants to have a paycheck. And, and, and actually, when I ask people, do you like to work? Or do you, yeah, do you like your work? Well, mostly people say this, it pays the bills. You know, I mean, that's the answer. And, and you say, well, that's not in the Bible, Chris. I mean, yeah, we, we say that, but it's really not in the Bible. Well, really it is. Here's what we, we see in the book of 2 Thessalonians. It's actually a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in a place called Thessalonica. And Paul wrote this. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. 
Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Those not willing to work will not get to eat. You see, they didn't have paychecks in those days, but they had food. And if you didn't work, you didn't get to eat. And so in our day, we have electric bills and gas bills and all kinds of bills. And if we work, we get a paycheck. And if we get a paycheck, then, you know, we can pay our bills. And so the first purpose of work is to take care of the basic needs of life. And part of our paycheck process isn't just working so I can pay my bills, but it's so I can pay my family's bills as well. And in fact, the Apostle Paul wrote two letters to his young student, Timothy. And in one of those letters, this is what he said about working and about how we're working for, for, you know, meeting basic needs. It says this, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Think about that. If we don't meet our family's basic needs, in other words, if we don't get a paycheck, then we have denied the faith and we're worse than unbelievers. No, wait, What if you lost your job? Well, I mean, that happens. It happens to a lot of people. If you lose your job, then it says that you need to get another job. And what what if you can't get a job? What if you can't work? Well, that's not what Paul is talking about here. Because even in the day, well, actually, especially in the day in which Paul wrote these words, he said said it in an environment where the church would understand if somebody was sick or somebody was um, too old to work or or somebody lost their job because they were a believer. And that happened a lot because the Jews and the Romans oftentimes would fire you from your job. And actually, there were certain jobs you couldn't do anymore if you became a Christian. For example, let's say I was an idol maker. I made idols, you know, things that people worshipped, and I became a Christian. Well, I'm pretty much out of a job, right? So what do I do? Well, in those days, you relied on the church because people understood that. So Paul isn't talking about those who can't work because of inability or disability. What he's talking about is if you have a gainful employment and you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. And maybe somebody in the room might hear that and go, wow, that's pretty hard. Yeah, it is pretty hard. But there are hard things in Scripture. And Jesus actually said that the Holy Spirit, who we talked about for the last five weeks, convicts us of sin. That's one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit. So maybe you're sitting there thinking, you know, wow, I I haven't been doing what I need to do. So that's the first purpose. You need to do the first purpose first. These sort of build on each other. So the second purpose then is passion. Starts with a P. After you work and pay the bills, you know, there's another reason to work, and it is the passion that we have for the work. And uh, there's a guy named King Solomon. He was the smartest guy who ever lived before Jesus. And he said this, it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. And some of you may be thinking, well, well, that's in the Old Testament. You know, in the New Testament, you weren't even supposed to make money because like money's a bad thing. It's, It's, you know, money is evil. No, 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 money's not evil. The love of money is evil. In fact, what King Solomon said is true in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, Jesus did say to one guy, this rich guy who came to him and said, how do I have eternal life? The way you get eternal life is by giving up everything you have, giving it to the poor. You'll have riches in heaven and come follow me. But he didn't say that to everybody. In fact, his Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector who probably cheated people out of money, Jesus never even said, give away your money. But Zacchaeus said, hey, I'm gonna give half my money to the poor And if I cheated anybody, I'll pay them back four times. But Jesus didn't tell him to do that. You see, Jesus told us we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross every day and follow us. That doesn't mean we can't have money because money's neutral. Money is like a brick. A brick can build a house. A brick can break a window. 
Money's like that too. Money can build a house, right? And money can break our lives if it becomes what we, um, if, it be, if it becomes the passion of our lives. And there's another thing that the passion for work does in our lives. It gives us a sense of satisfaction. And here's another scripture. Again, it's from King Solomon, a different book. Ecclesiastes, he says this, a man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. Now, do you, don't say this out loud, do you find satisfaction in your work? I know a guy who's 55 years old, and every, he has an app on his phone. Every day he gets it out, and it tells him how many days it is till he turns 62. Because when he's 62, on his birthday, he can retire. And so from, from now until he's 62, seven years, every day he looks and sees how many days it is. And I don't know how many leap years there are, but that adds an extra day in those years. You know what I mean? So he has no satisfaction in his work. He has no passion for his work. And I just said to him, why? Why would you do that? Why would you spend seven years? You realize how many days seven years is? It's 2,555 days. I, I, I added it up. 2,555 days of getting up every day, hating what you do, no satisfaction in your work. And, and King Solomon says, have satisfaction in your work. So what if you're doing something you hate? Quit. And you go, Pastor Chris, it's easy for you to say. Well, not so easy for me to say. I did it. I actually loved what I was doing, but I had to, had to quit doing it for the people I was doing it for and start doing it in a different situation. And when I left, I didn't have a job. I didn't have any backup income. I didn't have any, in a couple of months, I wouldn't have any medical insurance. All those things that you have to have. No, you don't. Put, put God first. Seek, uh, this isn't in here, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added to you. That's what, the, that's what Jesus promised. So if I seek God first, then he's responsible for me. If I seek myself first, then I'm responsible for me. And it's really not a good thing when that happens. But anyway, so passion. You have what? Paycheck, you have passion. What's the next thing? The next thing is philanthropy. Philanthropy. And most of us, when we hear philanthropy, we think of people who give lots of money to worthy causes. And it can be that. But the word philanthropy literally means one who loves people. One who loves people. So we can love people through our work. And we can do that by what we do as well as by earning money and then giving it away to help other people. We can work because we seek the good of others. And in fact, the, the apostle Peter, not Paul, but Peter this time, wrote these words. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Then it says this, use them well to serve one another. So I have spiritual gifts, you have spiritual gifts, we're supposed to use them well to serve one another. What about our natural gifts? I mean, there are spiritual gifts and there are natural gifts. What if you have natural gifts? Are you supposed to use them to serve other people? Of course. If we're going to be, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, then philanthropy is going to be one of the purposes for our work, and we're going to want to help other people. Some of you know that on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday here at New Life, I was in meetings with Pastor John Nuzo from 9 in the morning till 9 at night. Nancy and I met from 9 to noon, and then the elders and staff met from 1.30 to 4, and then we had worship services from 7 to 8.30 or so. And uh, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was doing that. That meant I had a lot of hours here at the building and not a lot of hours for other things. I have a friend who's a landscaper. On Wednesday morning, I got this text from him, your grass need cut. Yes, please. I texted back. He said, okay, got it. That's philanthropy. 
You see, when you use the gifts and abilities that you have to help somebody else, that's philanthropy. And so it's not just when you give away money, it's when you help other people. Another thing, another thing that philanthropy is, is giving away money. In fact, I love what the Apostle Paul said to the Ephesian church, and it's sort of an awkward uh, a verse here that we're going to look at about giving. It says this, if you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. <laughs> so remember, he was writing to church people. This was a letter written to Christians, and he's saying, if you're a thief, you're a Christian and you're a thief, quit it. Okay, I'm going to tell you, if you're a thief, quit it. You know, get a job. Get a job, do good hard work, and what are you going to do with the money? It says right there, give generously to others who are in need. I've, I've said all my ministry life, there are only two kinds of people, you know, givers and takers. Paul saw that literally, because, you know, what's a thief? A taker, right? And he said, if you're a taker, quit taking and start giving. So philanthropy can be giving of your service to help others because you love them, or you can give to others in need financially because of your love for them. So we have three things right now. Paycheck is a purpose for work. It's the lowest purpose. If that's all you are doing, if you're working for a paycheck, you're never gonna enjoy your work. There's passion. Obviously, you'll enjoy your work if you're doing it because it's a passion. For philanthropy, so that you can give to others. That's a wonderful way of working and purpose for working. And then the final purpose we're gonna look at today is to do the direct purposes of God. Our work can accomplish the direct purposes of God. So if we work directly for the Lord in what we do, then what we're doing is going to um, advance the cause and purpose of God. Here's the first one. King Solomon said this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. So we're going to talk about money first here. If we have money, do we honor God with the, with the first and best part of it? I mean, that's a very important question because some people give God leftovers, but what Solomon said here is that we're supposed to give from the first fruits, from the, the best part of everything that we have. On Wednesday night, if some of you were, anybody here on Wednesday night when Pastor John was here? Okay, a handful of you were. Most of you weren't, and I understand that. There are lots of things to do in life. But anyway, Pastor John was telling us about how 25 years ago, he was a missionary. He and his wife, Michelle, were missionaries in Africa. And then about 21 years ago, God called them to leave Africa to come back home to plant a church in Cranberry Township. And so at the time, because they were missionaries, they had people giving them monthly support. And their monthly support 25 years ago was $8,000 a month. That's pretty good monthly support. And so they also had equipment for their ministry. They had $30,000 worth of equipment. So John thought, well, we'll just ask all of our people who are partnering with us to give us their, their commitment for one more year so that we can get the church started. We'll have an income while we're starting the church, and we'll sell this $30,000 of equipment. We'll bring the $30,000 back to plant the church. Sounded like a good plan. But as, they were, as John was writing the letter to the partners, he felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to tell them to stop supporting him and give the money to the missionaries that were staying in Africa, because that's what they were giving the money for. And so um, he said the U.S. mail worked that time, and all but one supporter stopped supporting them, and they went from $8,000 a month to $150 a month in support. Then his wife, Michelle, said, you know, John, I'm sort of feeling like the Lord's telling us to sell this stuff and leave the money here with the ministry. 
30,000 bucks. So they sold this stuff, got 30,000 bucks, and they left it there. So they had 800 bucks left, and they got on the plane, and as they were just getting ready to go on the plane, they were, you know, saying their goodbyes to everybody. Michelle turns to John and said, honey, do you think that we're supposed to leave this 800 bucks in the ministry too? And John goes, yeah. And so he gave, they, they gave the 800 bucks. So they came back to the U.S. with nothing. And so 21 years ago, they started Victory Family Church with John, Michelle, and Ryan, who was three months old. They're three people in a movie theater over in Cranberry. Today, they have a $30 million complex on Route 19. And in the last five years alone, 7,000 people have been saved just in the work, weekend worship services. 7,000 people in the last five years. That is just incredible to me. And, and so anyway, as he was talking, he said, you know, we believe, what, what he said was, we believe in Pastor Chris and Nancy and in New Life. And they've shown that because in, over a four-year period, they supported our building fund here at New Life for this building to be built, $700 a month for four years. I think that's $33,600 they gave. And... Uh, they have determined that for the next 15 years, as a church, their, their, their job is to help 300 churches in the Northeast to um, double their worship attendance, to double their effectiveness, and to double their um, influence in their communities. And as he was telling this, um, he, he said, and uh, we decided that we we're being called to give your church $50,000 to your new building fund. So I think that's pretty cool. 50,000 bucks, a lot of money. Now, now during our time uh, that we were with John, Nancy and I spent the mornings with John, and then, as I said, the elders. And we determined there are two things that are holding us back here in this community from sharing the new life of Jesus Christ with the world, one person at a time, as effectively as we can. The two things are a lack of facilities, our children's nurture center and gymnasium and our worship center, and our um, lack of effective processes to make things repeatable, predictable, and for us to be able to, to act like we're a church that has five, six, seven, eight hundred, eventually a thousand more people. Um, and, and we need to do that. And now the, the process thing isn't very glamorous. And uh, that's something that's going to be over the next 18 months to two years we'll be implementing so that we can be as effective as we can be doing what we do. Um, but the other thing was that on uh, Tuesday morning, I was praying before we came into the, the mission outpost, and, and the, the Lord laid it on my heart that I needed to ask 100 people or families here at New Life to give $2,000 because we have $200,000 in the bank right now for our next building. The bank has told us we need $450,000 um, in order to uh, be able to borrow some more money so we can build the next phase, which is going to cost around $2 bucks. So anyway, um, plus or minus, always plus or minus. But anyway, um, so 100 times 2,000 is 200,000, and I shared that with John, and I said I was going to be sharing that on Wednesday night, and John said to me, Chris, you need 250000 Why are you asking for 200000 I said, I don't know. That's just what I feel like God's saying. And he knew then they were giving us 50000 but he was just sort of, I think, testing. But anyway, um, so then when he shared on Wednesday night, the 50000 200000 plus 50000 it all adds up. So 50000 and then what happened was after the 50000 was what was pledged by um, Victory, a, a family in the church told me, remember, I told you we're giving you 5000 a month for the next 10 months. That's 50000 and then another family, well, three families said, we're in, so that's 6000 bucks. And then another family said, we're in, and gave me a check that night, and I put it in my pocket. I went home, and I didn't look at it. I, I don't look at people's checks whenever they give them to me. But I opened it up, and it said $10,800. 
And then last night when I shared this after worship, four more families told me they were in for $2,000. And then another guy told me he was in for $4,000. Quick math, about $129,000 has been committed in the last five days um, towards the two fifty. So, So what does this have to do with the purposes of God? Pretty much everything. Because, you know, it's not about money. It's about people. And yet it is. Money is a roadblock, and, and that's what we talked about, roadblocks and resources. Well, if the roadblock is money, what's the resource? <laughs> money. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so that's a cool thing. And, and let me, I want to say, I'm going to offer this invitation to you. You might be one of the 200 people, or one of the 100 people who gives $2,000 or whatever amount, you know. Uh, if you want to give $2 million, that would be good. But anyway, it needs to be, don't, don't say, okay, I tithe $500 every month, so I'll just for the next four months give it to the building fund. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. Um, I'm already committed to the building fund for $200 a month. Don't, I'm, not talking, I'm talking about like a third mile gift. There's no such word in the Bible, but sort of that's the idea. So anyway, that's how we can fulfill the purpose of God. But here's another thing we can do, and, and I love this verse. In fact, it's been, always been one of my favorite verses. It says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and the master you are serving is Christ. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. You see, sometimes when you work for people, it isn't very much fun. They don't always appreciate what you do. Back when I was a gas station attendant in Princeton Junction, New Jersey, and in Princeton, well, in in, uh, New Jersey, and I think it's to this day, but back in 1980. Three, when I was a gas station attendant there, there was a state law that said that you couldn't have self-service. You could only, you had to have an attendant. Okay, is it still that way? Okay. So I had to pump the gas and I had to w- clean the windshields. I got to clean the windshields, check the oil, that kind of thing. You know, most people were really nice. But you know, one time this guy came in in a classic Corvette, and, you know, and I, I reached for the regular gas and he goes, don't put that in my car or in my tank. And I was going to say, well, were you wanted in the trunk? You know, but I mean, I was a smart aleck in those days. But anyway, um, one time this guy pulled in. It was driving thunderstorm, and he pulled in with his hood out in the rain, and he said, check my oil. I said, sure, sir, just back up a little bit. And he goes, no, check my oil. This is a full-service gas station, right? I said, yeah, everyone in New Jersey is. And he said, well, check my oil. I said, no. He goes, I'm going to tell your boss. I said, my boss isn't here, and if he was, he'd tell you to go to another gas station. You're being a jerk. Now, that was a long time ago, 32 years ago, 31 or two years ago. I would have been a lot nicer today. I would have said, sir, please pull your car back. And he would have said no, and I'd say, well, sir, please go to another gas station because we don't need your business. You see, but working for people isn't always fun. We all know that. I mean, heck, working for Christians isn't always fun. I've been working with, with and for Christians for 30 years now, and, and you know how Christians can be. No, not present company excluded. Y'all are wonderful you know, all the time. But the point is, we're not supposed to be working for each other. We're supposed to be working for God because what? This is the coolest thing in here. It says we're working for God. He's going to give us an inheritance as our reward. What's our inheritance? It's people who are destined for hell today who are going to be going to heaven tomorrow or hopefully today, you know, if they, if they trust Jesus because of what we're doing. All that we do, we're doing it for the Lord. Now, some people say, well, that's just, yeah, youth workers, pastors. No, everybody. Every Christian is working for the Lord. The thing I want everybody to remember is this. There is no expiration date on people. 
There's no expiration date on people. Until we die, there's no expiration date. Everything, your Wheaties are going to expire. You know, your milk's going to expire. Your, car, your car's going to expire. But people, there's, after we die, we keep going on. And we're either going to go on in heaven or we're going to go on in hell. But we're going to go on somewhere. And so what we need to understand is the purposes of God need to be fulfilled in our work. And it's easy for me because I'm a pastor, but it's easy for you because back when I was pumping gas, I was pumping gas for the Lord. In fact, some people would say to me, you don't seem like a gas station attendant. I'm not. I'm a servant of Jesus. When I was a carpenter, I built houses so that the house would be good and effective so somebody could live in their house and, you know, serve Jesus. When I was a school teacher, I taught those children the best that I could because I know that those little children are loved by God more than anybody According to Jesus, you know, they're special unless we become like children. You know, when I was a swimming pool cleaner, I'll be honest with you, that was the toughest one. Because I was in Princeton, New Jersey, where everybody's a gazillionaire, and their pools are really big. I mean, this one guy had a $3 million pool. Did you hear what I just said? That was in 1982. $3 million. It had a roof that went, that's pretty cool. He had a really nice library. I wasn't supposed to see it, but I had to. I mean, I went in one day. I didn't steal anything. I just went in to look. You know, I mean, there was ivory inlaid in all of the things between the, the book. It was awesome. I mean, it was amazing. I don't know how much this house was worth. But anyway, the point is, whatever we're doing, if we do it as unto the Lord and not as unto people, we are going to receive an inheritance. And what's the inheritance? It's people. We are not building buildings here at New Life. We are building people for eternity. And so anyway. As we conclude the message today, I want you to look at the commitment. It is this. I will work as to the Lord this week. I will work as to the Lord this week. So when you wake up tomorrow, and maybe you've hated your job, well, maybe if you hate your job and it's, no, it's always going to be that way, quit. Did the preacher tell you to quit? No. I said, maybe. Quit. Do something that's going to make a difference. If you're doing a job that, that's meaningful, and every job is meaningful if it's an honest work that, that has integrity, maybe just needs a little bit of shift in the heart and the brain and say, I'm not working for these people. I've worked for some pretty nasty people in my life. Mostly they weren't, but I've worked for a few. And whenever you're working for those people, you have to say, I'm not working for those people. I'm working for the Lord. It, it changes everything. And so as we go out of this place today, imagine what difference there will be in Butler County and I guess Allegheny County, Armstrong, wherever y'all are from, in, in the counties that we're from, if we go to work and we live and do our work as unto the Lord and instead of unto people, it will, it will radically shift how you see your life. Because every time I've ever had a job, and my dad always said to me when I was growing up, my dad said, don't ever ask for a job, ask for work. I was looking for work. I never was looking for a job. And when you're looking for work, it's an honest thing because the Bible created work. I mean, no, God created work. The Bible talks about work. And there's all these purposes, paycheck, passion, philanthropy, purpose of God. I would suggest that you want to work for all, I mean, get, move on up as quick as you can to this one, purposes of God, because when we're working for the purposes of God, it's incredible. Now, I want to talk to two, a group of people that I have maybe offended. I hope not because I didn't intend to. What if you're staying at home taking care of your children? You don't have a job outside of your home. My mother stayed home for four boys, and she died when she was 67, and I think we're probably the reason for it. Uh, honest to God, I, I mean that. My brother Tom, oh my goodness. Well, me too. But what, I mean, all of us, you know. But four boys, 
She showed the love of Jesus. She taught us how to do things that were important. You know, nobody in her family had ever gone to college. Three of us have a master's degree or above. Tom was the one who didn't. He was the, you know, he majored in drinking and girls in high school. But he's a good guy too, and he knows Jesus. And he's worked hard all his life. Now he's retired. Okay, so if you stay home with your children, it's, a, it's an honorable work. One of the most honorable works there is. I want you to know that. Okay, the other thing, other thing I want to say is retirement. I challenged people last night to go home this week, and I said, if anybody can find the word retirement in the Bible, I'll give you 50 bucks. And I, my 50 bucks are safe because it doesn't occur. And this one guy came out and said, I'm going to go home and read my Bible. I said, well, there you go. <laughs> so you can go home and read your Bible all week. You should read your Bible all week. You can read it from cover to cover this week. You won't find retirement. Well, you say, well, but I'm retired. No, you're not. If you're alive, you're not. You might not have a paying job anymore, but see those four purposes? You don't have to worry about your paycheck anymore, but you can still have a passion. And, and somebody said to me, I was thinking about quitting, you know, retiring, but now I know that I don't have to retire. I just do something different. Exactly. You know, move up the scale to passion, move up to philanthropy, move up to purpose of God. Because working here is a lot more fun than working here. This is necessary. This is a little better. But, but philanthropy and purpose of God, wow, there's nothing like that. Because you get out of bed in the morning and you don't even need coffee. Okay? So, this week, we're going to work as unto the Lord, not people. Right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to work for you. No matter what it is that you call us to do. And God, I pray today that as we go out into a world that is so desperately in need of you, that we will take you wherever we go. And God, may we take you into our workplaces so that you may be light and salt everywhere we are and that we may be the light and salt that you call us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.